Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on. The Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Come on. Hallelujah. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All he lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Hallelujah. We bless the name of Jesus this morning. We want to thank each and every one of you for just joining in our online viewers. Those that are sick, we pray that the Lord will touch your body this morning. Those that are in the house, we know that God is able to do exceedingly. He's able to do abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. And this morning we are here. We are here not to sit on Lord, right? We are here not to sit on him. So we're going to stand to our feet. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus. Come on, who's ready for a downpour? Who is ready for a downpour? We want the Lord Jesus to fall fresh on us. Fall fresh on us, Lord. Hallelujah. I want you to look to your neighbor and say, Neighbor, I want the Lord to fall fresh on me. Hallelujah. If you believe that, I want you to praise him. If you believe that, I want you to lift him up. Hallelujah, Jesus. For a downpour, let it fall fresh. Let it fall fresh on us. We're ready for revival. Let it fall fresh. Let it fall fresh on us. It's coming down. It's pouring. We 
Lord Jesus. All we want is to magnify you, God. Have your way, Lord. Glory to God. Come on, we want the Lord to have his way this morning. We want him to have his way this morning. Hallelujah.
of the Lord is in this place this morning. Hallelujah. We're here to give him the glory and all the honor this morning. He has done so much for us wherever we're glad. And we are so honored to be a part of what God is doing this hour. Hallelujah. Come on, let's take a few more seconds and just give him some praise this morning. Oh, we lift your name up high this morning, oh God. Oh, move mightily among us this morning, oh God. Have your way among us. 
Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause this morning. Let's just worship the Lord this morning. Let's just praise Him this morning. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise your name this morning, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Come on, let's praise the Lord, everybody, if you can. Let's praise the Lord, everybody, if you can, this morning. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. It's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Amen. For a few minutes, we want to take this time out to welcome everyone this morning. Amen. Greet everyone in the mighty name of Jesus. So glad to have everyone in the house of God to praise and to magnify the Lord with us. We're truly serving an awesome God. We're serving a God that is worthy to be praised. There is none like him. There is none to compare. He is the one that is and that is to come. He's our Redeemer, our Savior, the one that died and Calvary's cross for us. Died so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. And this is who we are here to serve and worship this morning. And we're so glad that God is doing something in the hour that we're living in this morning. Our online congregation, we greet you, we welcome you, we thank you for joining us this morning. And for everyone that is here, amen. I pray before the services conclude today, the Lord will meet you, the Lord will bless you. Amen. And the Lord will touch you and strengthen you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Amen. Oh, God is truly great and greatly to be praised. So we're so honored to be here another morning to give him praise this morning for all the things that he has done for us. Nothing good that we have done but because of his grace and his mercy. So we're so grateful for him keeping us and strengthening us. We ask you to continue to keep us in your prayers. There are a few people that um out there that need our prayers. So continue to keep Sister Godfrey in our prayer. Brother Crooks, as we um, continue to pray for him, and if you remember, if anyone else that you haven't seen around, keep them in our prayers that the Lord will continue to bless them. Mama Holland, amen, thank you. Keep Mama Holland in our prayers, amen, that the Lord will continue to touch her body. Sister Jasmine, amen, keep her in our prayers as we continue to worship the Lord, amen. And just look around for the folks that we haven't seen, amen, and just keep them in your prayers that whatever they're going through, the Lord will touch them and meet them where they are, amen. I'm going to ask the Brother Henry to come on up. Amen. At this time. Let's try it again. Greetings, everyone, in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> he alone is worthy. I want to welcome you that are here. Welcome our online guests. We are in the house of the Lord, and this is where we ought to be on a day like this. Amen? Amen. As Minister Scarlett said earlier, um, it's a privilege to be here. It's a, it's, it's a privilege to be in the house of the Lord. It's a privilege to be able to worship God without persecution. And each time I think about it, there are places where you cannot worship as you feel like. You have to hide. 
and worship in, in, your, in your mind. Amen. So we are, we are blessed to be here and able to worship like this. Amen. Amen. It's offering time. And I'm going to invite each and every one of you to stand, if you can, while we pray over the offering. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Each and every day we thank you, Lord. Lord, you have mercy on us, so you didn't take your breath from us. We were able to wake up this morning and you gave us another day to praise you. So we praise you this morning, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we pray for those that are sick in the body, oh God. You know all that are sick in the body. I pray, Lord Jesus, that your healing virtue will touch them, Lord Jesus, and make them whole. Those that belong to us here, oh God, I pray that they will return to us safely and strengthened, oh God, ready to worship you, Lord. Lord Jesus, this afternoon, as we come to this time of the service, Lord, I pray, oh God, that you touch everyone inside this, these four walls, oh God. Lord, let them remember your promise, oh God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will recognize that we have to tie it to you, Lord. It doesn't go to you because you, doesn't, you don't need anything from us, but it goes towards the furtherance of your kingdom. Lord Jesus, touch us, O oh God. Those that have to give, I pray, O oh God, that your blessing will be upon them. Those that don't have to give, make a way for them, O oh God, so they will be able to give. And we ask these mercies in the name of Jesus Christ. We say amen. Come forward with your tithes and offerings.
Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Even when I don't know, I'm walking in the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost is a video I'm going to show. My goodness. Have your way, Lord. So good to see everybody this morning. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I apologize for my voice this morning. Um, I mentioned in first service that when I get to going too much and don't slow it down, sooner or later my body tells me you got to slow it down. And the voice is one of the things that normally um, starts telling you you need to slow it down. So last week I was in Louisiana for a conference. I came back Friday, Saturday. I had to do... um, installation service um, for a transition of a pastor passing on the church to the next pastor and that was just incredible and we've been going 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 non-stop um, so this is where we are then I realized my voice was not going to be that good it was kind of too late for me to um, tell the great men of God that we have in this church to stand in my stead I didn't want to do that to them so If you can just bear with me for a little bit this morning, I promise you I'll give you a word from the Lord. It just won't sound like my regular voice. (laughs) Amen. They told me this morning I didn't move around as much. When the voice is not working, you don't move around as much. I said, get out. I don't like that because I like to move around. But we'll see what the Lord will do in this service. We had a wonderful service at 9 a.m. And um, it was just such a beautiful spirit in the house. And I thank God. For that, Amen. Um, we have a guest with us. Where's Tiffany Malcolm? Tiffany, where are you? If you can just raise your hand. Tiffany, Amen. <laughs> Tiffany, it is so good to see you this morning. So good to have you in Christ Center Church. We're so thankful that you allow the Lord to lead you here this morning. You are a guest of Sister Karen, and um, we're so glad that Sister Karen invited you, and you decided you were going to come. But let me tell you something really, really interesting about you being here this morning, Tiffany. Um, We never know the details of how God does things, but what we do know is God uses people. So you're here this morning because God wanted you here. It was personal to God that you're here. Had nothing to do with any of us. Sister Karen just happened to be the vessel that God worked through to get you here. And you said, yes, I'll come. But all of it was God working so he can get you here this morning. See how much God loves you? He loves you that much. Even when you're not thinking about him, he's thinking about you. Even when you don't understand what he's doing, he's doing for you. That's how good God is. So we're glad that you're here this morning, and we thank God for you coming. Let's welcome Tiffany one more time. Amen. Miss Joy, I see you made a trip across the waters. Back into the United States of America. Good to see you. Amen. Hallelujah. It's no joke when you go those long journeys, those far away trips. You come back to the U.S. soil and say, man, I'm back. (laughs) And traveling is so, so challenging these days. So in itself, traveling takes a toll on you. Um, Our evangelists and and missionaries that travel. The other day I was traveling with... um, um, our global missions director, his name is um, Bruce Howe, and we're sitting together and we're talking. And um, most of the times, Bruce Howe gets to ride 
um, fly um, first class because, you know, he's um, a, a member of um, American Airlines Society. And um, they always give them first class whenever they can. If people don't buy, the, buy up all the first class, they bump them up to first class. And Bruce Howe was telling me how many um, uh, miles he has that he hasn't used yet. He has over 3 million miles that he hasn't used. So just think about 3 million miles. It means he had to travel that much on flights, going back and forth to different countries in the world to have over 3 million miles. And so I'm like, man, you travel a lot. He's, um, he's stepping down as our global missions director um, at the end of this year. And so um, I said, you probably won't be traveling as much, but still a lot. He's like, yeah, still a lot, but over 3 million miles. Can you imagine that? That is something. So traveling take a toll on you. And so, you know, I, I understand that. But it's good to have Miss Joy back. It's good to be back in the house of the Lord. And we are so thankful. Um, Brother Henry messed up this morning. Let me apologize to our online congregation. He called them guests. And, um, and Paul Brantley will not have any of that. None of that. Paul Brantley is not having any of that, Brother Henry. Um, Joe and Barbara is not having none of that. I can see them cringe when he said, our, our, our online guest. I watched Joe, even though I didn't see him cringing. Barbara saying, what is he talking about? And Mr. Brantley, Brantley didn't put anything on? Okay, because you know Brantley. What is he talking about? Brantley, I'll tell you. He said, good morning. <laughs> but don't call them guests. They're members. So when we greet our online folks, we got to say we greet our online congregation and some who may be guests for the first time, second time. But our church, we have a strong online presence and they are members of this church, and we thank God for them. Amen. Well, let's get into the Word of God, if you're ready. Um, what, what's that? What y'all trying to tell me? Oh, y'all messed up. The Holy Ghost don't want y'all to show up. Oh, oh, we, we moving on. The Holy Ghost said no. No, because it's nothing. No. Let's stand, and let's go to Genesis chapter 15. All right. This is not what I should be doing, but I'm disobeying the Holy Ghost. Go ahead, y'all see it. trouble. I'm, I disobeyed the Holy Ghost for y'all. That's that's because I love y'all. But what we're going to do, in case you don't know, we're going to spray the whole ceiling black. The lights are getting put in, so the, the lights are going to light it up. Um, so we'll, all the ceiling will be black. Um, everything will be black. We're not done yet. Then it will, we'll 
paint the walls, come three feet down and black, and then the rest of it is gray. And our carpet is like charcoal. And um, we'll get that done um, probably in the next couple of days, finish that up. Um, we already did our um, laminate flooring for the foyer and our nursery, Sister Shona's nursery. And um, we're getting ready to do a little bit of work here on the bathroom. We got a couple of doors that we have to hang. Our um, instruments um, are being um, put in place. We um, have our um, suspenders for um, our speakers in the, in the rafters. Um, we're just making room. We're going to finish up building the stage. So we're moving right along. Um, we hope we'll be in the building probably um, sometime in March. We, we hope to be in the building sometime in March. We'll see what happens. But we're moving right along. Y'all good? Let's stand. Amen. Genesis chapter 15. Tiffany, I'm an investigator. Or sometimes God talked to me. Sometimes God used people to talk to me. So guess what? I need you to do me a favor. When you go home today, or when you get out of here, I want you to call your dad and tell him I said I need to see him. Okay? Don't forget now. He'll know who I am. <laughs> Genesis chapter 15. Hallelujah. Man, I feel good. Voice down so don't sound like I feel good, but I feel good. I'm not lying to you. I feel the Holy Ghost so strongly. Hallelujah. Amen. Genesis chapter 15, verse number 1 says this. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Genesis chapter 16, the next chapter over, verse number 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord had restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai, his wife. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thine bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. I want to talk to you on this topic this morning. 
second-guessing God. Second-guessing God. feel strongly that this is something the Lord wanted me to share with us this morning because God wants us to be assured of what he says and not second-guess what he says. I believe if God has me preaching this this morning, some of us, even though we're here, even though we read and we say we believe, we have second-guessed God. We could be struggling with some second-guessing of God, and God wanted me to talk to you this morning on this topic. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Oh, my God, I thank you for your spirit, your presence. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Ah, my God, I worship you. (laughs) I adore you, O great God, for you are my king, my God, my Lord, my master. I humble myself before you this morning. And I say, Jesus, have your way. Place me in the flow of your spirit. Open the hearts of your people. Well, touch their hearts that they may open them to you. And I pray this morning that we will leave this place with some understanding. We will leave this place with an encounter. We will leave this place with what you impart to us. We will leave this place with an open eye, where our eyes open wide with understanding and become doers and continue in your will. We thank and praise you for these things we pray in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Faithful saints of God are also people with feelings. If you're a faithful saint of God, you have feelings, just like everybody else that may not be a faithful saint of God. Um, I don't know why I'm saying this. Maybe I need to say it this way. Sometimes we think when we become Christians, we have to leave our emotions and feelings at the door because we got to do what God says. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Many Christians, especially preachers, are prone to emphasize the mind, our mind, our will. But they minimize the emotions. Mm-hmm. This is a grave error that can lead to an unbalanced Christian life And cause us to second guess God. Because we don't acknowledge our emotions. Because we don't recognize our feelings. Or we have been taught to ignore our feelings. Taught to ignore our emotions. And to just go on and soldier up and do what the word says. But I'm here to tell you this morning. You need to acknowledge your emotions. You need to acknowledge your feelings. Because you're a person. Somebody tell your neighbor, you're a person. You have feelings. Uh huh. At times, even the most dedicated Christians feel like they're in the dark and wonder why God seems so far away. If you're a real Christian, you had to have this experience. But if you're just a super Christian, that's just superficial then you probably never had this feeling. But if you're a real Christian, you had to at some point in time feel like, man, God, you feel far away. 
I don't feel like I'm in touch with you. I feel like I'm lost. I feel like I don't know what's going on. I need something to help me understand what's going on. And so if you've been living for God for any amount of time, for real, for real, you have to have felt that kind of way. Mm -hmm. We are made in the image of God, and this includes our emotions. Mm -hmm. While it is unwise to trust emotions and bypass the word of God or let your emotions get out of control, it is unwise to deny or to suppress your emotions and become a Christian robot. God don't want robots. God didn't call you to be saved to be a robot. He understands you have feelings. He understands your emotions work. He does. And there's no need for us to act like he doesn't because he does. It's okay to feel frustration. It's okay to feel like, man, God, I know you said this, but I don't know. It's okay to acknowledge those things. Mm -hmm. I believe God will always bring about some things in our life to make us not second guess him. I told the 9 a.m. service, that the, 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 the congregation at 9 a.m., I told him, I said, for the next two years, let's hold each other accountable that we don't hear any second guessing of God in our conversations or in our lifestyle. Because God has shown us something so great that we shouldn't be second guessing right now. We shouldn't be asking him any questions. We should just say, God, I know you're up to something even though I don't understand all of it. Because what he has done is proven that I, can, I, I do what I said I would do. Can you imagine? I don't know how many of us have stopped and thought about it. Um, what was it? July of 2021 when we started our um, stewardship campaign, started talking about it and started going about doing things. Um, I'm sure there were some people that was second-guessing. They thought they were second-guessing me, but they were second-guessing God. Because I knew what I heard from God, and I knew he was directing every step of the way. I knew he was. And we prayed, and we said, God, if this is not you, shut it down. Don't be afraid to pray that prayer. If you are not sure if you're hearing from God, pray the prayer. Say, God, if I'm not hearing from you, don't let me do anything stupid. Shut me down. Only two people believe in that kind of prayer. <laughs> Listen, the Lord Jesus is fully God. When he walked earth, he was fully God and he was fully man. And he expressed openly his emotions. He expressed joy. He expressed sorrow. He cried. He displayed anger. And he always manifested love and compassion. We're supposed to be like him. So it's okay to have emotions. He walked in a temple and they were doing all kind of stuff that was wrong in the temple. And he was angry and he flipped over the tables and just was angry. He says, my house must be a house of prayer. Emotion. Lazarus is dead. He cried. So our Lord expressed emotions. It's okay. Acknowledge them. 
However, we must never allow our emotions to triumph over God's promises and his truth. It's okay to express your emotions. It's okay to acknowledge them, but don't make decisions regarding your emotions and your feelings over what God has said. Will there be some things in your life that you will make emotional decisions on? I'm sure it will be. Just don't make it something of God. Will there be things that you will make decisions on according to your according to your emotions? Yes. But please make sure it's not something pertaining to God, because everything that's pertaining to God must be actions and decisions according to God's word, not according to how you feel. Acknowledge your feelings. But you don't make decisions according to your feelings when you're talking about the things of God. Somebody say amen. There are many things we have read in scriptures that the Lord has said as a promise to us. And we are second guessing them for one reason or another because we have not allowed because we have allowed our emotions to get the best of us. So let me tell you this. Because you haven't experienced the promise that God made to you, it's no need for you to second guess it. Because you have not experienced, you have not obtained the promises or the promise that God made you, it doesn't mean that God didn't make you that promise. It just means you didn't obtain it yet. But don't second guess God because you have not yet obtained it. God made promises and he keep promises. So because you haven't received it yet, don't mean you need to second guess God. Uh huh. In Abraham's case, Abraham had, God had promised Abraham that his descendants would be numerous as the dust of the earth and that they would bring blessings to the whole world. But Abraham and Sarah were still childless. And if Abraham died, the only heir he had was his chief, chief of staff, Eleazar. <laughs> Abraham had to be thinking, God, what happened to the promise that you made us? Because God made them a promise, and the promise wasn't fulfilled. Ten years later, the promise wasn't fulfilled. Because when God called him, he told him all these great things. And 10 years later, no promise. I felt like when God called us to start this church, that God was always going to take us to places bigger than where we were. I never thought that we were going to be here forever. I always knew God will take us someplace. And it took him eight years to take us someplace. It is good. To share how you are feeling and your concerns with the Lord, even if what you say reveal that you might be experiencing some, experiencing some unbeliefs or impatience in your heart. God understands your emotions. He is not deaf to your questions or unconcerned about your feelings. He understands. God understands that he's all-knowing. And we're not. 
can you put yourself in that situation for a minute that you were all knowing and you tell somebody something that is not all knowing? What would you think? Can you imagine you giving someone instructions and you know fully well how everything will turn out, but they don't? They will question because they don't know. And you know. And that's what God deals with all day, every day. I know everything, and they only know some things. And he gives us instructions, and we have to fiddle around. What is this all about? But God is wanting for us as a people to start trusting him. God is wanting us as Christians to trust him more than we've ever trusted him because he wants us to know that he's all-knowing. The Bible says he's sovereign. He's sovereign. It means he has all power. He's omniscient. He knows everything. But will we trust God? Will we trust him when he tells us anything to say, I know God will see us through, and whatever promise God made, he will make sure he fulfill it. He will not back up on any promise. He will not fulfill any promise. If he made a promise to you, he will fulfill the promise. Yes, he will. Expressing your emotions to the Lord, but not acting upon them is okay. The Lord will fulfill his promises. The Lord's promises does not or, or does us no good unless we believe them and act accordingly. I said this the other day, and it sounds harsh. I try to say it nice. Whenever you're saying harsh things, say, say harsh things really nice. Don't say harsh things harsh. Say harsh things nice. And so the other day, I find myself saying that so many of us, we say we believe, but in reality we don't because our actions doesn't follow suit of what we say we believe. So we lie all the time about we believe. We pretend all the time like we believe, but we don't believe because our actions, our actions will always follow suit with what we believe. You believe, all of you that have a job, that when you go to work tomorrow, and you work the next two weeks or the next week, you're getting a paycheck. So what are you going to do tomorrow? So now flip that on you and Jesus. Come on, have that discussion in your mind with you and Jesus. What you say you believe, ask if you're doing the things that prove you believe. In Joel chapter 2 verse 28 the word of God says, and it, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall see dreams. Your young men shall see vision. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. That's a promise that God made. There are some people that have not yet experienced the infilling of the Holy Ghost. They have not spoken tongues. And because they have not experienced that, they are saying tongues are not for these days. That, that's for back, back, back in the day. It's not for now. And all because, they want to change God's word, all because they 
have not experienced it yet. That's the kind of stuff we do. So because you didn't experience it yet, you started second-guessing God. Oh, tongues are for some other dispensation. No, it's not. God is no respecter of persons. He's not going to baptize Peter with the tongues and Peter speak with tongues. He's not going to baptize Paul with tongues and Paul baptize him with the spirit and Paul spoke with tongues and now come to you and say, not you though. Then God is not who he says he is because then he becomes a respecter of person and God is no respecter of person. So if you fill Paul with the Holy Ghost and Paul talk with tongues, go and look in the Bible. Paul told some people, I, I speak with tongues more than all y'all. So Paul was baptized with the spirit and he spoke with tongues. But this is a prophecy that God had told us in Joel that he will pour out his spirit. There will be prophesying. There will be vision. There will be dreams. And because we have not experienced that, some of us, we're saying, God, what is that all about? We're second-guessing God. I can feel it in this congregation right now that there's, there's, there's a few of us in here that know God is speaking to you right now because you have second-guessed him on a lot of stuff. And some of us are not living for God faithfully because of second-guessing him. All because what we've read, what we've heard preached, what we feel like God has said to us, we don't see it coming to pass. God told Abraham he would have a child. And 10 years later, he didn't have a child. When he told him that, he was 75. 10 years later, no child. But God made him that promise. Think about that. So think about the promise that you think that God is not upholding that he made you. Luke 12 and 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God wants you to have the kingdom. It's his kingdom, and he wants you to share it with him. God wants us to share the kingdom of God with him. When you are born again of the water and of the spirit, you enter into God's kingdom. And he says, you are now in the kingdom. He wants to share his kingdom with you. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Watch it. For the promise. Somebody say the promise. The promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's a promise. Here is the first process of the promise. You got to get saved before you start telling God, I need my children saved. When we get saved, how do we get saved? We repent of our sins. Meaning we stop living the life that we want to live, how we want to live it, when we want to live it. We repent and say, God, I'm no longer living to please me, but I'm going to live to please you. That's a turnaround. So you repent. You get baptized in the name of Jesus. My, my, my last, born, last, um, last week when I made the statement, if you can find somebody in the Bible that was baptized in the title Father, Son, Holy Ghost, he started looking because he wanted the thousand. Poor thing. Looking through the scripture, talking about he's going to find it. You found it yet, son? I know. Keep looking. Keep looking. You want a thousand so bad? Keep looking. Because it's not in there. You can't find any person in the Bible that was ever baptized in the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. You can't find it. It's not there. But people are doing it. 
Why is that? They second guessing God. Some don't know, but some second guessing God. But God said, when you get saved the right way, when you're living for God the right way, your children have a promise. They too will be saved. We just got to keep on living for God. Somebody say, Amen. Just keep living for God. Tell your neighbor, keep living for God. God's promises to us must become ours. God's promises to us must become ours. He doesn't make promises to us and keep them. He makes promises to us so we can have them. So God's promises to us must become ours. Because some of the promises he made hasn't been fulfilled yet doesn't mean we should second guess him and settle for less than the promise. Some people, mm, some people are living a different religion because they didn't experience the promises that God made. We have created our own religion because we haven't experienced the promises that God made. Because this didn't happen and that didn't happen. All of a sudden we're doing some, we still look like we're believers. We still talk like we're believers, but we're following something different because we didn't experience what God said we would experience. But remember, it took Abraham 10 years before God fulfilled that promise of him having children. God knows what he's doing, church. God knows what he's doing. And you don't know what he's doing. And so it doesn't even make sense to put the effort and energy into trying to figure out what God is doing. Just have faith. Just be obedient. Don't even try to figure it out. You'll drive yourself mad. Let me also share this with you. Someone who is second-guessing God can cause you to second-guess God. Who is causing you to second-guess God? You were strong in your faith and being around some other people is causing you to second-guess some things that God said. Who are you around that you're listening to? And they're saying things to you that's causing you to second guess some things about God. Listen, we don't walk away from God just all of a sudden like that. We start listening to other people and we start second guessing God. And before you know it, our second guessing become actions. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Who is second guessing God that you talk to that's going to cause you to second guess God? Watch this. Sarai's. Sarai, Abraham's wife, second-guessed the Lord, and Abraham followed suit. Watch it. Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, had believed God from the very first time God spoke to him. And when God said, in Genesis 12 and 1, when God said to him, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Watch it. That's what God spoke to him. What follows? So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. When Abraham first heard from God, he believed God. 
because he started doing what God told him to do. He left his family's house and went as God had told him, go to a place where I will show you. You don't know what it is, but I'm going to show it to you. Go. He went. So the bottom line is Abraham had believed God when God first spoke to him. But all of a sudden now, hmm, hmm, watch it. All of a sudden now, Abraham is second-guessing God. It was Sarai who caused Abraham to second-guess God because she was second-guessing God. So when you get around people that second-guessing God, they would cause you to start second-guessing God. Be careful of the people who you hang around when you're trying to live a godly life because if you hang around the wrong people, they can have a bad influence on your Christianity, on you keeping it real with God, on you living holy and righteous. You've got to be careful who you're spending your time with as a Christian. Let me talk to you, my brother Tim. It's better for a Christian to spend time around sinners than spend time around Christians as second-guessing God. Because when we get around sinners, we already start saying, I'm trying to reach this person. I got sh- to make sure I'm, I'm living my best God life so they can see my example. I'm loving them. I'm trying to reach them because I know I can clearly see their sinners. But when we get around Christians that second-guessing God, they start spewing out stuff that we don't even realize is hitting us. We might not say anything at the time, but we go home and we start thinking, yeah, they said so-and-so. Yeah, this. And before you know it, Brother Tim, we're doing some other stuff that we never used to do. Be careful when you're around people who second-guess God. They don't tell you they second-guess God. They just start telling you some stuff, and you start buying it. They start selling you some stuff, and you start buying it. Feel that in the Holy Ghost strongly. Proverbs 23 and 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart... So if you start allowing some thoughts of other people to go in your heart, other people's thoughts become your thoughts. And your thoughts become your actions. Right, Sister Rosalie? Your thoughts become your actions. So if you start listening to people's thoughts, I remember. I learned this a long time ago. When I first got saved, and even today, I would talk to people about doing the right thing. And while they're talking to me, they would say, you're right, you're right. And they would listen. But they were going home to lay down next to somebody that was going to have pillow talk with them. And that person that they lay down with put those thoughts in those thoughts. And so they just take those thoughts and make them theirs. And so no matter how much sometimes you tell an individual something that's right and they know it's right, the person that's always speaking to them, their thoughts, is the person that has control in their life. Who is controlling your life? 
whose thoughts are just ringing in your mind that you can't get them out to the point where you got to start doing what those thoughts were. Because as you think, that your actions will follow. And if, and if you allow people's thoughts to stay in your heart, you start doing what they said. Mm. Genesis 16 and 3, and Sarah, well, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in my heart. The Lord judged between me and thee. So watch this. Sarah was second-guessing God. So I'm sure she was having pillow talk with Abraham. Abe, I know the Lord told us that he was going to give us children, but it's been 10 years. And she was speaking a little bit more on her side than she was Abraham's side, because a man couldn't probably um, give his stuff to have children for a long time. The woman, it's not the same. And so I'm sure Sarah felt like clock is ticking. I know God said blah, 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 but I'm old. Abram. Maybe God was trying to tell you that it means that we use our maid. And she talked to Abe every night probably. And then finally she said, well, how about you just go be with her? I want you to just marry her just to, you know, make sure the law is met. Go marry her and then, you know, you can sleep with her and then she'll have a baby and then the baby will be ours. And he obliged. So she started second guessing God. She started talking to him about it. And before you know it, he is committing actions that says he's second-guessing God. But look at what Sarah did. When she was talking to Abraham, she said to Abraham, it may be. Church, don't say it may be when you claim you heard from God. Don't say it may be when you claim when you hear from God, it's not a maybe anymore. Remove the maybe out of it when you hear it from God. When you hear from God, this is what God says, and this is what we're doing. I remember. I remember. Y'all remember. I remember the Sunday morning when we were still trying to fight through the approval of the loan from the bank, purchasing the place. Things is working crazy. And I remember that Sunday morning, right? Where you're sitting at, standing there, Brother Cal. The Lord spoke to me and said, it's done. Stop worrying. I just couldn't help it but cry. I said, man, God, you're a bad dude. It's done. And then just now when I was away at the conference, I'm always worrying about, I never want our church to be a church that's always talking about, we need a special offering for this and a special offering for that. I just... I just think that's just ridiculous. I don't like that. And so I never want our church to ever be in that kind of predicament. No special offering, this special offering. Oh, come on. No, I don't like that. I don't think that's right, right? But for what God want to do, I will always come to you. But taking up offering for all these causes, I'm not into that. 
And so God knows that that's how I feel about that. And I said, God, I don't want to get into this building situation. This is before we got into it. And our church struggled financially because we're here to fulfill the great commission, which is reaching the lost. And I don't want finances to be an issue. And the other day he told me, stop worrying about the finances. Everything will be fine. I'm done. He give me his word. I, don't, I leave stuff alone. Once I hear from God, I leave it. It's done. I don't keep on worrying about it. And when it's not looking like is that I remember um, when we got to the end, we wanted to close out before the year was was finished. And I remember when we got to the end, this stuff came up. Oh, you need to get a phase two on the environmental. I'm like, whatever. I don't care at this point. God said it's done. It's done. And they did all their rigmarole and all that they need to do. And boom, 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 boom. It didn't matter. God said it was done. And so all the phase two environmental and all the foolishness, I'm like, do whatever you want to do because it's done. And they worked it out without me saying one word because God said it was done. When you hear from God, you need to know it's a done deal. Take it and run with it. Walk in that promise because you've got to know if God said it, it's guaranteed that's what it is. God had told Abraham no of a surety when God spoke to him in Genesis chapter 12. But Sarah had no such assurance on which to base her actions. Not everything. Listen to me. This is so important. Church, can I get your attention on this? Listen to me. Not everything that is legal in our world or that appears to be successful in our world is approved by God. Marijuana is legal in our world. But our world is so confused. If you drive under the influence of marijuana and crash, you're getting a ticket. You're not thinking about that. People just running around, I'm like, yeah, we can buy smoke now, baby. It's legal. But in God's eye, we don't live according to the legal laws of this world. We live according to the law of God. We live according to God's word and not according to this law. Because God's word and his law is higher than the laws of this world. This world law is way down here. God's law is way up here. We live according to God's word and God's law, not according to this world. Check this out. The Lord never accepted Hagar as Abraham's wife. Sarah was the one that said, honey, come on. Hagar, come on. I want y'all to get married and have a child. So they all three of them was in cahoots. All three of them was good with it. The Lord wasn't good with it. You know, people, when they got a show named White Swap, all the other stuff we got out there, and we think since it's okay, it's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay with God. We think everything the world said is okay, it's okay, because the world said it. I told y'all, y'all watch too much TV. <laughs> Peter Jennings and Dan Rather, they don't do it anymore, right? But, you know, what is that? Cooper. Cooper do it. The guy, what's the guy name? Something Cooper. Anderson Cooper. Y'all know because y'all watch the news all the time. But y'all better watch out with the news because the news tell y'all stuff and y'all jump right on it. Let's go with that. And Jesus speaking to y'all. And because it's through me, y'all like, please, what he know? 
yesterday when I did the um, the um, the installation service, I told the church, I said, make no mistake about it. Travis grew up in this church, and all y'all familiar with Travis and Travis this. I said, but this position, God has anointed him to be in this position. And as much as you're familiar with Travis, God has anointed Travis to do what he's getting ready to do for the kingdom of God. So I, I smile because even I laugh at myself. If you don't get it, I get it. Even I laugh at myself about I'm just a regular old dude from no place, just a regular old dude. But when God uses me, he uses me. And it ain't because I got something going. It's because God said, I called you to do this. It's, it's amazing when we allow God to use us because you regular old guy, regular old gal, when God steps in and starts to work in your life, you might be regular, but God is using you in a supernatural way. And so we got to realize that about us. I am always at awe. I think the conference that I went to last week down in, down in Louisiana, I think it is probably, probably, I think it's the most influential apostolic conference that we have in at least North America. And I also believe that we hear the greatest preachers in the world at this conference. I really do. These people can preach. Are you talking about preach? Man, they'll preach you under the table and um, on top of the table and the side of the table. These people can preach. They are, they are amazing. But God called his people. He anoints them. And one of the most interesting things to ever watch, Sister Wood, is I like to watch preachers. This is interesting. I like to watch preachers that I believe are brilliant preachers. And they're articulate. They're good anointed and all this stuff but i like to watch how they respond to other preachers preach that is so interesting to me how i can look over here like when we were down there jimmy tony is preaching up a storm and then joel urshan get up and he's preaching and they're all just in awe of each other because what we do we do it outside of our flesh it's a god thing and that's why we're all enthralled with man I know that God is working through this man right now as he ministers his word. It's interesting. I just think it's really wonderful. And we don't have anything to be jealous of each other for because God uses all of us in the way God wants to use us. Let's not second guess God. He knows what he's doing. The Lord never accepted Hagar as Abraham's wife, even though they did it legally. The angel of the Lord called Hagar Sarah's maid. They never called her Abraham's wife. Later, she was called this bondwoman and her son, not Abraham's wife and son. <laughs> because whatever is not of faith, whatever is not of God, God rejects it because God always have a better plan than what we have. God always have a better plan than what we have. And so if you come up with your own plan as opposed to God's plan, God will not acknowledge your plan. Mm, mm. Holy Ghost. I know sometimes you think that God understands. And when you do what you wanted to do that's outside of God, you expect for God to still bless it. God don't bless outside of himself. 
So what you decide to do on your own, God is not blessing that. I don't care if you think God is blessing it. I don't care how much you believe. Well, God has shown me faith. It has nothing to do with God. And I'll go far enough to say, sometimes the devil show up and bless you to make you think it's God. So you can stay in the wrong way. Sometimes the devil's trying to keep you on the wrong side of the tracks. And make you think you're on the right side of the tracks. And so there are things in our life that we think is a blessing from God, and it's not. God is not blessing outside of himself, because whatever he says, that's what's best for you. So he will not go outside of that, because God only wants to give you his very best. Only the very best for his people. That's God. Only the very best for you. And if you do something outside of that, you're not getting the very best, so God don't support it. Scottish novelist George MacDonald was right when he says, in whatever man does without God, he must fail miserably or succeed miserably. I told him this morning, I said, we only got a couple of hundred dollars in our bank account um, or whatever. You know, we, we probably ain't got a whole lot. And we see billionaires, you know, the Bezos and the Cubans and the, all of them. And we're like, man, they loaded. And you don't even realize some of those people ain't got no peace of mind. Some of those people are anxious every day. Some of those people are worried about this and worrying about that. And you think that is a good life because they're rich. <laughs> and we're all breaking our necks to be rich. We all want to be Jay-Z. Jay-Z, the first rapper to become a billionaire. We all want to be Jay-Z. We all want to be Michael Jordan and LeBron because they're the first athletes to become billionaires. You have no idea what that entails. My oldest son was in acting for a long time, and I always prayed against it because I always believed that to be successful in acting, you had to sell your soul. I always believed that. And I think it's the same thing with all the entertainment business. I just feel that way. I, I don't, I'm not involved in it. I don't know anything about it. But I always believe that if you want to make it in those business, you're going to have to sell your soul, meaning you're going to have to do some things you don't want to do over success. Because I want to be successful, I'll do it. But that ain't me. That ain't how I was raised. But I got to do this because I'm trying to be successful. That's selling your soul. Because you're saying, I'm not raised this way, this is really not who I am, but I'm going to do it because I want to be this or I want to be that. I'm finishing up here. We cannot second guess God. In his word, whatever his word said, don't second guess it. Whatever has been spoken to you, sometimes you come in the house of God and God uses me to speak a word to you, don't second guess that. Don't second guess God's word. Hold on to it. I was talking to an evangelist the other day, and I feel strongly about this because, you know, who is it? Um, um, Sister Patrice, um, Brother Hurt. I saw him. I'm like, hey, Brother Hurt. Sister Patrice will never get, forget Brother Hurt. And Brother Hurt was in here one day preaching, and he called out her situation. She's like, oh, I don't know this dude. I ain't never spoke to this dude. This dude called out my situation, so this dude is legit. And so I'm talking to Brother Hurt. Every once in a while when I get to see him, we just kick it. And I'm talking to him, and as I'm talking to him, he interrupts me and says, two years. He says, y'all getting ready to see revival in New Jersey in two years like you've never seen. 
out the blues now. I didn't, I wasn't getting to know. I'm just talking to him regular and just telling him how the district is going good. And we, you know, we're slowly getting where we got to get to. We're raising up some good men. Um, we have order and stuff. And I'm just telling him all that. He says, two years. Y'all get ready to see great revival in that district. Out of the blues. I'm holding on to that. Because God promises that. And so when God promised something and he uses his servant to confirm it, you need to go with that. I believe we're getting ready to see the greatest revival that we've ever seen. Our families, our children, we're getting ready to see people saved like we've never seen people get saved before. And listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. We're going to do it by being holy, by keeping standards. By sticking to the word of God. We're not doing it no different way. I don't know no other way. I don't know no other way. I'm not getting up here before you every day telling you preaching standards. I do that on sidebars, in classes, and all that stuff. But I am telling you that this church, as long as God allows me to pastor it, we will be holy. We will have standards. We will do what God says. And we're not compromising anything. If God don't want to give us revival because we stay holy, then that's up to God. Now, you know, you, you know that's not true because God don't work like that. We don't want to change anything about what God wants to do. You just have to decide what you want to do. I can't change this. God called me into this. I didn't come into this on my own. I didn't make up these things. God put these things in my heart and put people in my life that taught me these things. And I look in the scripture and realize it's legit. Let's go with it. So we can't change any of this stuff that God is calling us to do. Everybody's going to mature on their own timetable. Right? And so some of the stuff that people do or don't do, it's all about our maturity in God. It doesn't mean I don't think you're a Christian. It doesn't mean I don't think that you're righteous. It just means our maturity could be different. And as we're growing, please don't go tell people that they need to be this and they need to do that. You need to wear this. You need to Listen, let people mature on their timetable as God asks for them. They'll get there. They'll get there. But as for this church, as I lead this church, we're going to stick to holiness, righteousness. We're going to have standards in just the way it is. Plus, I'm telling you, church, you don't want to be in the church and feel like how you used to feel when you was in the world. I say it all the time. I was worldly, Brother Cal. I know the world very, very well. Well, I used to know it, Sister Principal. Probably not the same. I was talking to Brother Henry this morning, and I was telling him, a lot of people don't know what him and I know when we go back in the Jamaican um, session back in the day. Some of the people, some of the young people, we mess with Andre, say, you don't know. Some things that we know. Oh, no. We were in the world. And I know some of you were still in the world. But I'm telling you, I was a worldly. Look at me. Like I said, my eyes open wide. I was a worldly. I'm not going to live for God and have things reminding me of what I used to be. I'm not doing it. God delivered me. He set me free. And he told me I'm a holy, holy nation, a peculiar person, a royal. I'm not changing that. I'm not going back to the life of the bottom there. 
thinking I'm something when I wasn't. Not doing it. After Abraham and Sarah made that big mess, it was then they realized they should not have second-guessed the Lord. But guess what? The mess was already made. We don't all have to make the mess. Do you know that the Middle Eastern war today is because of Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar? Three people in cahoots trying to circumvent God's process, second-guessing God. And today now, we got this big problem over in the Middle East. All because of that. If we want to put some time on it and say that's probably 4,500 years ago, we're still dealing with that same problem. There's no guarantee that when you second-guess God and do your own thing that you will ever recover from it. No guarantee. No guarantee. Somebody say, but God. He cleans up our mess better than anyone I know. He does. He still keeps his promise. And Sarah conceived by her husband and gave birth to the promised child, Isaac. I want you to know today, we serve a God who keeps his promises. Let's not second guess him. We're looking at a miracle in this church and we should know in this church, at least us that are part of Christ Center Church, that God keeps his promise. He told us what he was going to do. We followed suit, and he did it. It's just that simple. Abraham must be our evidence that God can be trusted to keep his word, and that such trust is never a disappointment. We got Abraham, but now we got ourselves. I'm glad we got our own situation to say we know we can trust God. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yea and in him, amen, unto the glory of God. It is through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God and not by second guessing. Hebrews 6 and 12 says that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise, the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear or swore by himself, saying, surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. After Abraham patiently endured, God don't work on our timetable. Brother Stone King said many, many years ago, God moves slow. We know that's not true, but according to our impatience, after God makes us a promise to us, God moves slow. No more second-guessing God. It doesn't matter how long you have been waiting on his promise to you. Keep being faithful. Be patient. Do not be anxious. Don't be lazy. And don't let go of your faith. Your intimate knowledge of who God says he is should let you know there's nothing too hard. There's nothing too hard for God, church. He can do exceeding and abundant 
above whatever you may ask or think. There's nothing too hard for God. Let's stand. Let's not second-guess God anymore. His word is his word. His promises are his promises. Let's not second-guess him. If what God says have not yet overtaken you, (coughs) and he has not fulfilled it yet, doesn't mean he's not going to fulfill it. It's just not fulfilled yet.
ask you, Lord God, that you will touch every person in this place, our online congregation, that you'll touch them, Lord God. You'll continue to be with us, oh God, that you'll continue to sustain us, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, that you will dismiss us from this place, but never from your presence. We ask you to protect us as we travel on the highways, oh God. Take us to a home on the board, oh God. Protect us from anything that will be an endurance to us, Lord God. We ask you to bring us back when the doors are open so we can continue to worship and praise you. We love you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone today, amen. The Lord bless you. We love you. Thank you for being here today. Have a great day. I think we may still have some more beef patties in the kitchen. You can support our building fund. Amen.